If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless okay so um today's episode is gonna be revolve around actually a really interesting article that i came across And this article talks about actual, practical, three-dimensional signs that you know that you may be having a dysfunctional family. And they are 38, except that I removed one. So the article is titled, 38 Unhealthy Signs of a Dysfunctional Family. And the website is liveboldandbloom.com. So, a a family is dysfunctional if they regularly experience conflict, misbehavior, or abuse in a way that causes some members of the family to become, to accommodate such inappropriate actions and actually continue the generational curse until when they themselves get married and have children, they may go ahead and do the same types of behaviors, unfortunately. So... The characteristics of uh, a dysfunctional family would include lack of empathy, poor communication, where there's either like a huge fight or complete silence, emotional or physical abuse, and sometimes even both, drug or alcohol abuse, control, perfection, fear, and unpredictability, denial, disrespect of boundaries, and excessive criticism and all of these are signs of toxic people who um, show or display also toxic behaviors with people so basically toxic behavior in general so sign number one vocations or vacations sorry are very very stressful and 
when vaca- when you say vacation, you say you say there should be some beautiful memories, uh, relaxation, fun, happy times, people gathering together after a long time to see each other and uh, have fun and love each other and then go their separate ways. But in dysfunctional families, this become this becomes extremely stressful because of the rivalry going on and and it's not the same as what happens in healthy families with a healthy dynamic unfortunately they are very very stressful and i've had this happen a million times like whenever we have vacation together when my siblings come around from abroad it's very stressful especially for me i don't know about how the others see it but for me it's really stressful and the vacation is no longer sweet it turns sour sign number two you think about how you will do things differently i constantly always have had this actually and never thought it would be mentioned uh here and i was actually surprised to find many more signs that i kept thinking of and i figured maybe i'm the only one who thinks like this you know i'm just shocked by how eye-opening this article really is which is why it kept it caught my attention and i decided to record an episode and share with you this interesting article along with my own interpretation so if you already know as a child that you will parent children only one day differently than the way you are being parented this is a red flag children should not be spending time noticing things in their household that they would never want to be repeated you always want to think if you could possibly just do things differently like um and it's consuming it's really consuming like you're always just blaming yourself oh i get it okay so if you already know as a child of your own narcissistic abusive parents that you will one day grow up to get married and parent children only one day differently than the way you are being parented basically what it's saying is if in the future if right now you are already as a child like since your childhood you already know that when all of the shit that's going on is gonna make you change to a different, better, healthier parent, then you know that this is a red flag and that your family is dysfunctional because you really wish you can do things differently as a child, but as a future parent to your own children. And that has actually, that has happened to me a lot when I was a child, like a lot, almost all the time. Number three... And this is shocking, but this is totally, totally true. Your parents have separate rooms. They may not have separate rooms. They will not have separate rooms. They do have separate rooms and they sleep separately. And they just basically have a toxic relationship, which is why they do it. Number four, your family lives in silence. Hell yeah, for sure. Are you kidding? Silence is dysfunctional when it is used as a punishment. It disregards the worth of other people, especially when there are disagreements and people and like family members do not see things um, equally. So there's silence always. A middle 
A milder form of silent treatment is demanding that other people guess what's wrong with you. So it's like playing a game of children of like, try to guess how, how I am, you know, trying to guess what's wrong with me. It would be a, a milder form of silent treatment. Number five, you experience triangulation. And triangulation occurs when one family member confides in another about a third family member. And this sucks ass and it always happens. And the rivalry and the, you know, fights always start because of... Well, a lot of the fights start because of triangulation, I have to say. An example of this would be a mother and father talking through their child uh, by asking the child to ask the other parent for updates um, and personal or adult matters. It's like they're using this child as the postman to deliver, uh, you know, what's who's asking whom for questions and to get information. This puts the burden of adult issues on a child and is unhealthy alternative to direct communication and the communication is definitely poor so it's not neither it's neither indirect nor healthy and triangulation happens and it's a fucking nightmare number six you give or get double messages double messages occur when someone says one thing and does another and they constantly do it it's a pattern of behavior that never stops even if you call them out on it they never stop it this confuses the recipient and blurs the meaning of spoken words and also makes the other person not accountable they do not take responsibility over their behaviors because they say something and they do something else they say they love their partner but what they're doing is clearly not love at all for example, number seven, there is enmeshment. If one member of a family spends an extreme amount of time dealing, oh yeah, and this happened to me the whole fucking time. Actually, like 90 99% of these signs happened to me, so I might as well just share with you these practical signs to be careful of. So if one member of a family spends an extreme amount of time dealing with the problems of another family member or take personal responsibility for another family member's emotions and I added here wishes, demands, needs, problems and actions um, then of course this is a dysfunctional toxic family and I've had to do this to my NM when especially when we brought the psychiatrist home as under the pretext that she wants to buy the house but she's diagnosing her and i had to take the responsibility which is imposed by my siblings to give her the medicine you know uh behind her back and sneakily and i had to be responsible for that and take full responsibility and if i were to ever make a mistake i would be blamed for not giving her a dose at a specific time and I freaking hated it so bad and I'm always like I was always supposed to be the one who had to take care of my NM and my NF's problems like all the time and try to uh, be the glue to help uh, mend the wounds going on clearly there was a huge amount of enmeshment 
Boundaries exist in healthy families where everyone is responsible for dealing with their own problems. And unfortunately, we claim to be healthy, but we're obviously not. This doesn't mean people don't ask for help, of course. But it also doesn't mean family members blame each other for their personal problems. Everyone has the responsibility over their own personal problems, but it's okay to ask for help sometimes. But it doesn't mean that we should blame others. It does mean, however, that a, fam that a family member doesn't feel personally responsible for the solution or for the problem itself. We don't take responsibility for anyone. We only take responsibility for ourselves. Next, number eight. You rarely or never bring friends over. And I've had this happen to me. Actually, and I'm feeling extremely lonely because of that. Because I've never had the opportunity to do that. Nor actually have the parents approve simply because of this this happens because of the fighting the condition of the house and worst case scenario substance use or abuse or the fear that someone in your family will embarrass you which is why your friends don't come over the isolation may also occur when the parents of your friends don't allow them to visit you because of the environment in your home and the behavior of your parents and either way it really sucks because of the of the imbalanced and unpredictable uh environment that is going on at the household really really sucks leaves you without friends Number nine, you never stand up for yourself. I've actually had the courage to stand up for myself a lot of times, and I would come out as, honestly, I would be rude because I'm fucking sick and tired of their cunning and twisting and controlling uh, mind games that they play with me. But before that, I was never actually able to stand up for myself, and I fucking hated it. So you find yourself in a situation that that are clearly... Not your fault, but default to thinking that you could have done something differently. That yes, you get programmed in your brain that you, for some reason, somehow, by default, you could have done something differently. You could have, you should have done something, something differently. Anyway, there's always this feeling that you made a mistake. Well, a healthy reaction to this would be to know you didn't cause the fight, the, the fight or the problem or whatever it is and you may actually assume it was your fault for not preventing it for example but not to actually like regret uh doing it that way for example number 10 you fear abandonment if you were abandoned as a child, either physically or emotionally, you will literally carry this fear for the rest of your life, especially for a loving future partner. And I've had this happen to me because uh, my mom, like, um, casually and just calmly just told me that she let my siblings take care of me when I was a kid. So I was clearly abandoned. Number 11, you are a people pleaser. This is a survival trait that may develop as a result of being abandoned 
or experiencing neglect on a regular basis. Hell yeah, of course. You grew up to be a people pleaser, the person who always seeks someone else's approval with fear of criticism, but to get them around and to feed on their, uh, basically, uh, praise of you. Pleasing other people is an attempt to win them over when you fear their criticism. And you hold on to the belief that if you are nice enough, this person will not abandon you. Which is actually stupid, because even if you're extremely nice to some people, no matter how nice you are to them, they will never change. They will also, they will always be assholes. And that's just the way it is some, with some people. So you probably develop this trait to be able to defeat the mood of the... I mean, detect... <laughs> What? Detect the mood of the adults around you so you could respond appropriately. And like I said, there's unpredictability. So this is actually extremely exhausting because you have to adapt to the mood of the people around you instead of being on your own and just being okay better than others. You know, sometimes you're feeling better than others. And in dysfunctional families, you feel like you don't have the right to be better than others. If someone else is hurt, if one of your parents is hurt, you automatically must be hurt for whatever reason, even out of nowhere. You know, it's really fucked up. Now I recently, now that I can have boundaries and I can have a personal bill of rights, which I'm about to continue, and I genuinely, genuinely, really sorry, apologize. I apologize for not. For being such a slug and not completing the personal bill of rights as soon as I thought I would. But I will. I will. I will. I will. Because there's so much more to talk about. And I mean in the positive um, side of all of this. In the self-evolution regardless side. And But I'm going to go through them. Alright, you got my words on that. So let's continue. Number 12, you experience or witness abuse. Obviously, this one, like, uh, it summarizes everything. While your parents may not be abusing you directly, exposure to other people's fights can be just as demanding. Yes, absolutely. Emotional abuse leaves scars. Okay, um, emotional abuse leaves scars but can be much more subtle, easier to deny or hide, and harder for others to understand. Of course, they're not as obvious as sexual or uh, physical abuse. So, emotional abuse contains the following constant ridicule and criticism, threatening, bullying, gaslighting, controlling behaviors, shaming and guilt trips, manipulation, withholding love, affection, or sex, contempt, unpredictable emotional outbursts, verbal abuse, which is like insults and cursing, sarcasm used to wound, name-calling, intense anger, lack of respect, and should I say also boundary invasion, selfish, childish behaviors, like the need, the constant need for attention, intolerance, extreme jealousy and suspicion, spitefulness, turns others against you, regularly invalidates others in family, and play mind games. Holy shit, this is a whole 
fucked up deeds, man. A whole list of fucked up deeds. Number 13, little to no discipline. Regret refers to a lack of basic needs, but also to lacking discipline and structure. If no one takes on the role of being in charge due to the substance abuse or emotional distress, then children are left to fend for themselves. Yeah, with neglect, with nobody taking the appropriate responsibility to protect, for example, the victim child among his siblings, um, there is no discipline, and so everybody's going to do their thing, and it's going to be chaotic. Number 14, you wonder what it, what it would be like to be in someone else's family, and I've had this thought for the longest period of my life. Maybe you go to a friend's house and find it peaceful, or you can see your neighbors next door always having fun and playing in the in the yard. If you wish you could be a part of their family instead of your own, it could be your way of wishing you could escape. Of course, I wish I could escape. So many times I went to people's houses and I just saw how peaceful and nice it was, and I just always wondered like what it what it would be like to be in their uh, family, you know. Number 15, you think you are the only normal person in your family. And I've always had this thought in my head. I've always had it. I just don't know if I'm even normal. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm the most normal person in this family because everyone is crazy and out of control. But I, I don't know. I'm not really, like, out of pride or out of, like, arrogance or anything. But it's just that with the amount of craziness and evil that's going on, I'm just trying to keep myself away and distancing myself from their abuse. So probably I'm the most normal person. I don't know. So everyone else seems to have some kind of issue and you can't find an ally an, an ally in any of your siblings or either of your parents, which is so fucking true. Their craziness and dysfunction makes you isolated and lonely. Totally true. Number 16, they are controlling. And I am, before we actually go ahead and talk about number 16, I think, uh, number 15, what I'd like to, to add is the fact that, um, remember the mobbing and the gangs talking, right? So they love to mob against a person who tells the truth and who stands up for justice. So that's why basically I and anybody who has this situation resonating with them can't find neither of their siblings or their parents uh, allying with them. So number 16, they are controlling. Families use money, threats, guilt, or, or even some type of reward to control other people in the family is unhealthy and harmful behavior. Those who control try to create a power dynamic in order to get what they want, sorry, at the expense of the other person's mental, emotional, or physical well-being. Hell yeah, of course. They can use money to control you. They can limit your financial freedom they can limit um they can guilt trip you over every single thing you do to make you conform and submit and i 
I've always mentioned these, so let's just go through them real quick because they're through 38 already. And, uh, yeah, we're running out of time. Number 18, they are quick to place blame. Accountability requires setting clear boundaries and allowing natural consequences to happen when the boundaries are crossed. Natural consequences, obviously. But families who blame each other for their feelings or experiences are failing to take personal responsibility for their own roles and situations and are setting themselves for codependency. And they become quick to just judge and place blames on others as like, um, as low levels who should be personally responsible for their own, um, you know, the abuser's, uh, own mistakes and problems and experiences. 19. Punishments are used instead of discipline. Obviously, discipline and punishment are not the same thing. Discipline involves training and teaching, while punishing is just enforcing a penalty. And punishing is much more deadlier and much more uh, traumatizing, especially for children rather than discipline. I remember this one time, actually it happened a lot of times, but I only like witnessed it twice, but my flying monkey sister basically, she um, she had her daughter basically uh, do something to her brother, which is not really a big deal, like they were, she was probably playing around with him and he, he got mad and started crying and he he's just a kid you know they're 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 both really young and he's only like two or three years old but she did something anyway i think it was playful mostly uh right after giving her brother the shower so after she did that she immediately uh put the brother in the in the living room to put you know to make him allow him to play with his toys and everything and she violently grabbed his big sister and she literally shoved her in her room closed the lights and closed the door really violently really fast and the poor poor girl my niece was crying her lungs out and hers she was sobbing she was screaming she was begging her mother to forgive her because she was terrified of her mother's sudden and unpredictable reaction to her just very childlike behavior. It was just, you know, a friendly, playful thing, you know, but she was sobbing and crying and wanting uh, some sort of affection and just care and just discipline from her mother that's all that she wanted to have but all she got was this horrifying punishment the room is dark it's pitch black and she just left her there screaming and yelling and watch having been there as a witness and just watching that really really broke my heart as to how people can be so fucking harsh sometimes that you just can't do anything and you just have to stop and stare for just a minute until things would clear out.
you know, and I know that her daughter is sometimes naughty and she wouldn't listen to instructions, but not, you know, don't just freaking shove her in her room and make it dark just to, just to torture her psychologically and just make her afraid of the dark and never sleep at night anymore, you know? That has detrimental health effects on her health, you know? And she's a child. You know, what? What? what's going to happen if she grows up and becomes schizophrenic and never sleep again or just suffer from insomnia for the rest of her life? What are you going to do then, you know? Punish her again? I guess one thing she could have done was just discipline her and teach her, you know, what's right and what's wrong and what's not to do with her brother because he's he's basically a toddler. He doesn't understand. She could have disciplined her and just showed her care and attention and love and order at the same time without the punishment and the unnatural consequences of things just to enforce the penalty on her and just to make her feel like she's the worst creature ever you know oh that was just heartbreaking to even mention Okay, let's continue. Uh, number 21. They alter the truth. They do this all the fucking time. Dysfunctional families often twist their intentions, experiences, and even the memories that they recall to avoid being held accountable. And they would do this thing called gaslighting. And gaslighting is what they do when they try to alter the truth, when they try to also not take responsibility over what they did as wrong, of course. Number 22, abuse, addiction, and mental illness go untreated. And this happens in dysfunctional families a lot, and they go untreated and absolutely ignored. The abuser or addict denies the problem and doesn't seek therapy. In fact, they accuse the family members of... Uh, or suspect that someone is after them and that someone wants them to go seek therapy uh, very brutally and forcefully. Children who live with abusive, addictive, or emotionally unstable parents never feel secure and safe and grow up with a variety of mental health issues that can be debilitating. Say, for example, the easiest example would be PTSD or CPTSD, and that's a huge mental health issue that is just simply overlooked because of having to live with an abusive, emotionally unavailable, unstable parent. Terribly, terribly dangerous. Number 20. What? Number 23. Oh my god. The family is unavailable whether or not the family is physical, physically present or not doesn't really matter. Emotional availability is an important factor in a healthy family. And emotional support is also extremely important. If someone is emotionally checked out, if they're angry, if they're sad, if they're frustrated with anything, they're making themselves unavailable to everyone around them in, in healthy families that means they express their feelings they they have the freedom to genuinely talk about what's going on with them without being judged or criticized but just emotionally supported 
but in dysfunctional families, what happens is com either complete silence and, you know, no communication whatsoever or a huge war and fights <clears throat> and uh, gaslighting and all that, you know, just a mess, a storm. Number 24, they are dismissive. Families who fit the dysfunctional model will likely dismiss the evidence that this is true. They will dismiss the fact that they're dismissive, as well as anyone who brings it up. They're, this is usually an effort to avoid accountability and personal responsibility. And yet, yet again, dysfunctional family. Number 25, there is unpredictability. If parents are inconsistent, meaning a child can never be sure how his or her parents will respond to their behaviors, it's a freaking red flag. And, you know, one day the mom is fine, the next day the father is, I don't know, uh, lying on the couch. Another predictable, another unpredictable behavior is when parents are prone to outbursts of anger, making other people in the household have a constant state of apprehension, fear, and carefulness. And this is especially extremely dangerous because you have to be really careful with the words you say and with the, with how you th you say things and what you do and everything you have to be careful and cautious of everything that is so fucking stressful to even think about them so once you make this one tiny little mistake that is really really stupid and just can be overcome really easy they turn into a monster basically and it is unpredictable, actually, which is why PTSD exists, because this constant stress overwhelms the victims, unfortunately, and proves more how a family is dysfunctional. Number 26, there's constant conflict. The conflict could be verbal, physical, or even silent, but with tension so thick you could cut it. Yeah, there's always constant conflict, you know, whenever... A discussion should be a discussion it actually ends up becoming a fucking conflict number 27 there's lack of empathy and i mentioned this in an episode before i don't really remember number what exactly um but i talked about lack of empathy you can go ahead and check it number 28 you experience role reversal wait a minute so before i actually dismiss you here's a brief sort of like definition of lack of empathy whenever you try to tell your parents about something that happened to you that like for example broke your heart or something instead of uh emotionally supporting you and backing you backing you up and um you know filling you with this warmth and loving kindness and affection they just never show that to you they're you can see it in your eyes and their faces are just basically expressless and they're cold and they don't show and that's what lack of empathy is 28 you experience role reversal basically when you're a child of toxic unavailable parents or let me say substance addicted uh addicts um you become the parents basically of your own parents 
you take care of them instead of them taking care of you while your needs are not met, by the way. This happens when one parent is unable to fulfill their parenting due to mental illness, substance abuse, absence, or any other reason, basically, which prevents them from being a good parent. And this is really, really uh, traumatizing for the child and takes a whole lot of toll on them. Number 29, there's excessive control, which is an emphasizing idea of the idea or the the sign number 17. Was it 17? 16. Very, very controlling. Excessive amount of control to the... To the to the point where they limit they limit 80% of the things you can actually use, for example, as an asset. F- to be independent, for example. Number 30. There's no sense of privacy. And basically, there is no acknowledgement of boundaries whatsoever to them. If it's appropriate for them to watch over you, uh, you know, sitting around in a, in a specific position, for example, they have the right to it because they're simply your parents and you can't say otherwise, you know, um, even if it's your own room and you have the right to sit however you want, you know, or lie however you want, as long as it is convenient for them to come in whenever they want and to stare at you and to blame you for the way you sit and... um Guilt trip you over it? It's fine. There's no sense of privacy. Number 31. Allowing teasing to go too far. And teasing and humor and generally speaking uh, comedy can be healing in healthy uh, family dynamics. But in a dysfunctional uh, family dynamic, teasing can actually be the sort of uh, reversed criticism that is actually not used to, um, lighten up the mood and to cheer people up, but to actually, like, continuously criticize them and reveal their flaws to everyone else and just embarrass them. And the most terrible thing about this all is that when this person who uses this teasing to embarrass the victim, they even gaslight them to prevent them from connecting with their feelings and to um, express and show that they're hurt. They tell them things like, oh, you stop being sensitive, you're being too sensitive, you're acting like a baby, and all those kind of sentences to make them feel uh, crazy and to just um, make them second-guess themselves. Number 32, there's unfair treatment of one or more family members, and this happens to scapegoats. The scapegoats get the most unfair treatment in the family members, and they're usually the people who are left out and and out of the family unity, and they are the people who um, fight for justice and are strong-willed, but the most people who are... Uh, blamed for the flaw of the family and criticized and judged and made fun of. Number 33, and minimized also. Number 33, there's an abnormal sexual behavior in the family and these involve promiscuity of one parent 
or both parents, incest, literal incest, or even adultery. And the abnormal sexual behavior will allow, will make the children actually feel extremely lost and, um, like abandoned by their own parents. Uh, okay. Number 34, family members disown each other. And this happens when a person has had enough of the whole bullshit and drama that they decide to cut the ties up with the family and they go no contact. Absolutely no contact whatsoever. And this is, I think, the very, very ultimate last thing that happens when someone finally decides to leave and just finally decides to break it off with their family. Number 35, which actually I think works really well with the people who have had enough and with the people who have been treated the most unfairly. Number 35, children are used as pawns and this is basically explaining how flying monkey process works. Um, and they use them to deliver messages or to like um criticize the people who are deciding to set strong boundaries and to leave finally so they use them as pawns to make them sub submit to the authority again Number 36, only conditional love is offered. If you're doing good, if you're doing as they say, if you're obeying, you're awesome, you're great, you're so loving, you're so kind, you're so nice. But if you, for somehow, some reason, decide to follow your own intuition and make a decision for yourself that doesn't necessarily agree with what your family um, thought of, you become a disgrace and... A low-level thing that they will no longer love and appreciate anymore. In fact, you'll smear the image they've always been working so hard to preserve as perfect to the fucking world. Number 37. There's a dogmatic or cult-like environment. Basically, a leader of some sort. This actually happens in families who have a strict religious tendency or like um like a a, a strict political tendency or a, a freaking like I, an ideology basically so there's a certain ideology dogma that must be strictly followed and it feels like a cult and not really like a family and 38 finally lack of support from the non-dominant parent the non-dominant parent is the enabler usually and this parent is the one who uh defends the narcissist to try to um protect them but they don't support their victimized um children the non-dominant parent seems to be the one afraid of stepping up and and calling the narcissist out on their actions. And because of that fear, they are inhibited from even approaching their kids and protecting them. 
And I think it's also because um, they're afraid of the narcissist perhaps threatening them or uh, doing something bad to them that they actually decide to not support their victimized children, unfortunately. But it all sucks. It really all sucks. All these signs are fucking heartbreaking. I can't say any more. And as shocking as it is for me every day to do some research and to find out about what kind of rabbit hole this is, about the whole dysfunctionality and disorder and chaos and... <sighs> narcissistic tendencies and behaviors that families and people do have. Um, I'm glad at least I get to know and share with you all these information because they're extremely important for every one of us to understand how shit works and how you can deal with it and how you can stop playing this game and leave. You know, if you never knew any of this you would never know how to leave. If you <clears throat> found yourself in this type of situation and never really had something called internet or articles published online or people actually who publish these kinds of information, no one would be able to set boundaries and defend themselves and protect themselves and leave, you know. Because I think eventually what is the most important thing to preserve is health and for us to have the opportunity to find such information in order to, in order for us to educate ourselves and share these information with others so that we can educate them as well, I think it's extremely important to help save each other from potential abuse and from abusing our own children and becoming bad parents ourselves. So I think it's really worth it to learn what not to do, the red shining flags, you know, of things in order for us to learn what to do and how to act around and become better members of society and teach others to become good, potentially good members of society as well. Okay, I was gonna say all right and okay at the same time, came out really weird. Anyway... I hope you enjoyed this episode today, um, and I hope you learned something from it, and I'll see you in the next episode. So, folks, that's a wrap for this episode, and as you can guess, this is my goodbye speech. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I hope you found this episode enlightening to some degree. You can always like, comment, favorite, share, and even subscribe to this podcast here on Anchor FM or any other platform where you'll find my podcast available, like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast, Radio Public, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and recently I've added my podcast in TuneIn as well as Red Circle. That's where you'll find my podcast also available. I'd also appreciate your support for a very small monthly fee. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, some feedback you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send me a brief voice message and I'll take care of that. So to conclude, this was Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maram, and I will see you in the next episode.